1: From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style.
2: Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. welcome to Out to Lunch. If you're like most people, when you do your taxes once a year, you're genuinely surprised at the numbers staring up at you. You can't believe how much you spent on various items. Maybe it's car repair, school supplies, travel, eating out shoes, or even groceries. You're so surprised at how much money you spent compared to how much money you earned that you tell yourself you won't do that again next year. Then of course, next year rolls around and you see you've repeated the same pattern. If you're 12 times more determined than most people to exercise financial control, you go through this exercise once a month when you look at your bank statement or your credit card bill. Budget B Financial Wellness is a service that sets out to break this pattern of retroactive remorse. Budget B turns you into a person who looks forward instead of backward. So like a business, you know your expenses ahead of time and you end up making a profit at the end of the month. The founder and owner of Budget B Financial Wellness is Molly Richard. Molly, welcome to to Lunch.
1: Thank you so much for having me. If you have
2: small children, you inevitably find yourself buying toys. If you're trying to exercise some financial discipline and you're looking at your monthly budget, do you put toys in the essential column or in the extravagance column? The answer to that question is not all toys are created equal. If you go to a big box store or look online, there are a lot of toys of dubious quality and with little or no educational or enriching value. That's the reason Melissa Bees founded her company, Little Peanuts. By the way, Little Peanuts is spelled P-N-U-T-S. Melissa started Little Peanuts as a toy subscription service. You sign up and Melissa sends you a monthly box of toys curated from around the world that are high quality and, depending on the child's age, enhance developmental progress in areas like motor skills, focus, and concentration. Melissa also makes a special travel box for three to six-year-olds that fits on the plane's tray table. Little Peanuts also has a physical storefront on Harrison Avenue in Lakeview. Melissa, welcomed out to lunch.
3: Thanks so much for having me.
2: Molly, financial fitness is not unlike physical fitness. We'll tell ourselves we're going to quit eating junk, we're gonna join the gym, and we're gonna work out three times a week. But mostly, we don't do any of that. Even though we know for 100% certain that when we do it, we feel better, look better, we're healthier and happier. The hard part, for whatever reason, seems to be getting started. How do you get over this hurdle when it comes to personal finances?
1: Yeah, I I like that you compared fitness to finances, because it's actually a similar part of your brain that stops you from making these behavioral changes. I think a lot of people get caught up, um, you know, anxious about their finances, thinking I don't even know where to begin, I don't even know how to start this, there's no one I have to talk to about this, I'm fully ashamed and embarrassed by it. This is normal. A lot of people are going through this, and there's no part of your brain or instincts that. Is designed to help you plan for a month from now. It is something that has to be learned, and it is something that has to be talked about. And um, like no one's born, you know, knowing how to save for retirement, or, or, again, like planning to save money for a trip you want to take in a year. There's no like instinctual part of us that plans, um, but we also don't really have a very helpful spot in society that helps people learn those things while also acknowledging all of the emotions and behavioral aspects of money that go along with you know getting your finances in order so one of the things
2: that grabbed me molly is you were you're looking at this from a very different angle more than more of a how you personally relate to money mm-hmm. i don't know anybody doing that
1: yeah i'm it's amazing that there aren't more people doing it though right yeah. i think finances are generally one of the more stressful areas of anyone's life and if you go talk to a therapist about it um, who knows if they're feeling the same oh, the same right. feelings they want to get you. paid
2: so they're on the opposite side <laughs> of the ledger. They-
1: true I'm sure they're there to help but you know like a lot of them are in the same boat that you're in like yeah who do we talk to about money and then you know going talk to a financial advisor walking in acknowledging that like this is emotional can kind of like help someone start looking at numbers and and move past the feelings to get there so
2: Melissa, if the course of human evolution continues on the path we're on, we probably wouldn't be surprised that if in a few generations, humans are born with a mobile device in their hands and they have to finish sending a quick text before they can start breathing. Uh, Now, obviously, that's kind of a ridiculous exaggeration, but I'm sure nobody has a problem picturing it because it seems that increasingly younger children are starting to use electronic equipment and toys with technical components. At Little Peanuts you're holding the line against that trend. All of Little Peanuts' toys are eco-friendly, sustainable, made from natural and organic materials, and they're all devoid of electronic bells and whistles. Are there enough parents in New Orleans who think like you and make Little Peanuts the success that it is, or does your business principally come from outside of here?
3: Well, to be honest with you, we have a very large demographic here who really want to focus on the higher quality toys, toys that are going to encourage them to learn through play, which is what we're out to, you know, try and get them to consider. Um, kids, this in today's society are always constantly on their devices and I'm finding that a lot of parents are coming in and saying hey you know my kid doesn't even know how to hold a pencil right can you help me with this and so we have all these like you know little pincer graphs type of toys because kids just sit there and they swipe the whole time Um, but we're starting to see a trend where you know even with like the more millennials as they're called are starting to take back all the time spent on devices. And so you're seeing those parents actually not giving their child the devices. So we do see a huge, huge demographic here in New Orleans that really is moving toward taking the devices away from their kids. So we do have a grand amount of um, subscribers for the box in addition to the actual people who come into our store these days.
2: I'm always fascinated how people start. Um, Molly, uh, You, what I had read is that you been doing this to help your friends for a long time that's quite a shift to say no I think I could do this as a business
1: yeah I um, I guess about three years ago I had to make a big financial decision in my life about moving and taking a new job and still having to pay multiple rents for several months and I was like okay I gotta figure this out because this is a change I want to make in my life and the finances really need to line up for that to happen so like can I do it I had to get super clear and very disciplined, but doing that and really not avoiding that allowed me to make a really big change that I wanted and after that, I had a lot of friends ask like, how did you do that? You paid like three rents in one month at one point. <laughs> yeah, it's and bad so, if you're
2: broke, right? Right. It yeah, doesn't work.
1: Can't live your dreams. Skinny chefs. <laughs> it's all that way. It's <laughs> um, but yeah, so I like just helped them make a spreadsheet and sort of take the idea of money and budgeting out of like this cloud and the space that no one knows how to grasp and was just like, what comes in and what goes out?
2: And the answer isn't usually just make more money. If you keep that same mindset, you could make a million dollars a year and you'd still be in the same boat, right?
1: Yeah, it's true. And I, you know, I had a friend who really wanted to save up and quit her job and go on this road trip. And we um, looked at her and this was like, she was planning a year out, you know, so we sat and looked at her finances and she was like, I just don't have any, any wiggle room. And I was like, well, track your expenses for a week, you know. And after a month of tracking her expenses, she was like, I didn't realize I was spending like $200 a month just going get a drink after work with friends. And I was like, well, there's your road trip, you know. And so I think part of it is is allowing mindfulness into this area of your life so that whenever you're telling yourself, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough money, but like, let me just buy these little one-off things that I just like want, if you can, if you are clear about what you want want in a really, in a much bigger sense than those little wants, you're just, your behaviors change. I just kind of started helping people do that and then it grew out of my like family and friends tier into like their family and friends and I I realized these are people I've never met coming to ask me about money and you know they sit down and then these like floodgates open and i was just like something else is going on here this is not just like budget this is like
2: now if they have real psychological problems you send them somewhere oh, else no yeah, right? yeah yeah uh, i've got got okay. some real referral oh, situations good, good. I was going on little <laughs> concern then of course now Melissa, you went with the subscription system um, we're all familiar with you know everything from blue apron to uh, i get a i get some different teas that are sent to me every uh, um, every month what were some of the things that surprised you about trying to do a subscription service
3: well we were actually one of the early subscriptions we started in 2012 that was right on the beginning cycle of this whole entire subscription concept Um, and we had had um, our second child and he, we decided we would get a box for him just to try it out and see what it was. And we found that the one most important thing, other than all the samples of products that they provided to us, was toys. And our son, our first son, was born at 24 weeks, and so he was a micro He was in the NICU for three and a half months. Wow. And so we were required to provide toys with him for him that were not battery operated, that were not plastic due to toxins and things like that. And that we really had to focus on. On toys that would promote cause and effect or you know building muscle tone etc and so what I noticed with this new these new boxes was there was nothing like that and parents were begging for this stuff I mean we would walk down the street parents would see our stuff therapists who came in to work with my oldest son were asking for this stuff and we realized that there was a real niche and a need and a desire for these types of toys And so I had gotten on the phone to call one of these subscription boxes that we had gotten for my son. And I was like, you guys need to add toys. And my husband was like, in the background, like, stop, don't share this. And I was like, why? And he's like, well, why don't we consider doing something like this? And so we went to Germany, or uh, my my um, sister-in-law came in See, from now Germany. Now your,
2: your mother and your husband are German.
3: Right, my mother's from Germany, my f- husband's from Germany. So- but she convinced me to go out to Nuremberg and to um, provide the concept to a bunch of the different brands out there because we really love the European toys because the US testing standard is actually below the European standard and so that's why we had to get most of the toys for my oldest son. Um, from europe because they didn't have the toxins and they were tested so highly without you know there was no formaldehyde in the glues and there was no metal in the paints and so in doing so um we went over there and all these brands were 100 percent on board and then we launched and it took off within weeks which was really nice
2: and and molly you're actually uh, going in the a direction of uh, interesting trend there's a lot of millennials now that i guess they're calling super savers that are doing a lot better job but they want to retire early and they're saving more of their money so at least you're i don't know if you set that off or not but that's a that's a definitely
1: didn't set that off (laughs) but yeah i think i think you're right it kind of goes along with asking that big question of like what is the life that you want to be living you know are you just doing every single day to make the paycheck that you spin super quickly and like it's never all really adding up to this bigger picture that you have in mind for yourself. And, um, but yeah, I think you're right that a lot of millennials are asking different questions. And I think to your point about millennial parents kind of wanting to introduce non-screen toys to their kids, it's the same idea of like, what's the childhood that we want to provide for this kid? Is it just like zapped by, yeah. you know, I don't know, screens? Or do they get like really tactile involvement with their surroundings and environment?
2: Well, you know, that, I think the toughest. I'm never done what you're trying to do, but it would be maybe promoting the idea of sacrifice. You, interesting. Is, is that because uh, you're telling them maybe not as big a house and maybe not as new a car? And do... I, th-
1: I think that's interesting. I, I kind of look at it a different way because I am also a promoter of like if that job is not letting you live the life you want, let's look at some other options. I think a lot of people do think about budgeting and finance as, okay, this is just a bunch of no's for me. Like it's a bunch of what I can't have. And I kind of take a different approach to where it's like, I think you can have anything that you decide you want. You just have to be mindful about it to make sure you're not, you know, just building debt for yourself or building debt for your future or not saving for the future life that you actually want. So I kind of take a less of a no approach and more of a yes approach. Like let's outline everything that you can have. And if there's something on this list that your finances aren't lining up to have how can we change that let's look at you know can you ask for a raise I can help you prepare to do that or is there a different job that you're ready to take that leap into and like let's really go big and re-envision what your life can be and get out of the little tunnel that maybe is easy to stay in but also is not where you want to be.
2: Now Melissa you have lucked out a little bit in from the demise of uh, um, Jeffrey the giraffe at Toys R Us that died uh, suddenly is uh, the um, the...
3: well we we actually have been um, on the receiving end of quality or good you know new customers Um, our demographic has definitely grown and with that with our new store we've had to kind of cater to that new demographic so now we're bringing in more toys that are not just the sustainable and organic and eco-friendly for the little ones we're actually starting to bring in toys and games and board games and all those different like um, I guess knickknacks that teenage girls or tween girls are liking so we've really kind of opened the doors with the newer store it's you know three times the size as our current store because of toys r us closing so we've we've got to now reach out and reach broader in terms of our selection so like we've added board games but again we go back to the quality of there's no there's no electronics it's all about you know sitting down having a conversation with their kids playing games build on vocabulary as a mom i have an 11 year old and an eight year old and we have to constantly you know it's inevitable you're going to give them the technology they're going to want the technology but it's all about kind of giving them limitations like we give them two hours on saturday and sunday and that's it After that, they've got to do something, with. they've got to build, they've got to do Lego, they've got to play board games, they've got to go outside and play, they've got to do that. But in order to do that, you know, you have to take the devices away. And so that's why we're adding more of a selection so that parents can say, hey, let's sit down, let's have a family game night. And parents who are doing that are starting to realize that they have a more open conversation with their kids and their kids can trust them more because they're able to sit down, play a game and build the trust with their child.
2: You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Rusciutti. I'm talking with Melissa Bees from the Progressive Toy Company and Storefront Little Peanuts and Molly Richard from Budget B Financial Wellness. Uh, Melissa and Molly, this is the part of the show we call your brother-in-law. You're sitting at your desk answering email when your phone rings and it's your brother-in-law. He usually only calls when he's in the neighborhood and thinks you might like to get a pizza with him, but this time it's different. This time he's got a business proposition for you. Melissa, your brother-in-law says, according to international statistics, the United States is number 158 on a list of countries rated by birth rate. In other words, there are 157 other markets that have more potential Little Peanuts customers than the U.S. Your brother-in-law suggests that you make him a vice president of international expansion, give him a round-the-world plane ticket, a small expense account, and a suitcase full of toys, and he'll explore the other 157 better markets for you. What do you tell your brother-in-law? Is there a possible international market for a Little Peanuts franchise?
3: Um, well, it's kind of interesting you ask that because we are already international. Um, so we do ship worldwide. So we... Probably wouldn't need that brother-in-law, but if he were so to. So many people have said that. But also, what's interesting <laughs> is, is um, we have European toys. So for other, for us to go out and have my brother-in-law go to international companies or international countries where there already are these toys, I don't think it would be as successful because people come to us because we have different toys, and our toys are from primarily from Europe. So I don't know how that would work. Yeah,
2: well, but, you know, he's come up with other bad ones, too, so let's not... Yeah, that's a bad idea. It's it's going to be fine. You know, I I didn't ask you, Melissa, that um, another big decision is the idea to open a retail store. Now, that's huge. Yeah. How did you... Go
3: through that. Well, with the subscription, um, we had a lot of customers who were coming up to us and asking for toys outside of the boxes because our boxes were quarterly. And so they're like, well, literally we really out of
2: the box, Look literally yeah. out of
3: the box. <laughs> and so we were starting to bring in more toys based on requests. And we were doing this out of the house and it started to become where our house looked like a warehouse um we couldn't have thanksgiving dinner at the table because the table was covered in boxes and surrounded by boxes and my husband looks at me and goes i'm done with this i really am done with this can we find maybe a small business, you know, a business office or something where we can have a small retail store in the front and an office in the back for us to continue to do our work. He's a production designer in the industry. So he was like, I can do work out of there. You can do work out of there. And we'll just have a little small storefront. I was like okay let's do that so we went on the search and ended up with a toy store with an itty bitty office in the back
0: (laughs) versus the
3: other um and so i mean we had um, a customer who local a friend of ours who is buying a lot of the marble runs that we had from germany which were these beautiful wooden toys that are very kinetic and teaching you know um physics etc she looks at me and she goes why don't you open a toy store? Like, why don't you open a toy store? And I said, okay, well, you know, magazine has one, that's a great demographic. And she goes, no, she goes, only Lakeview. And I was like-
2: And you're in Harrison, which is the yeah. new, new and, magazine, s- right? Yeah, and here that's- we are,
3: we're on Harrison Avenue, and um, our so we outgrew that store, and so now we opened the bigger store, um, so to expand on where we started. Cool.
2: I see world domination. I I hope so. When I look in your eyes, that's what I (laughs) see. Now, Molly, your brother-in-law says, Budget B is awesome, but there are so many people who could do with your help, and there's no way you're ever going to be able to help them all. Even if you hired 100 people and trained them all in the Budget B method, the market is too huge. So your brother-in-law has a solution. It's an AI app. He says it's not as weird or complicated as it sounds. All you do is set up a series of choices that a person runs through. Each choice leads you to the next level and to the next choice. Till you end up with a personalized Budget B budget. And he says you could sell the app for $9.99 and he'll only take 25% of it for running the app division of Budget B for you. What do you tell your brother-in-law? Is the Budget B app a
1: halfway good idea? This is so funny because my, not my brother-in-law, but my brother said this exact thing. No. He's, he's, you know, getting his MBA very, like...
2: Oh, those are scary people, aren't they? You know them. Yeah. Um, so,
1: <laughs> but I love him because he's a huge, he's a big thinker, like huge, big thinker. And, um, and so we talked about it for a while and I was being mindful of like how that felt to me, what that would look like and all that good stuff. And there are a lot of really great apps out there who, that I actually recommend to a lot of people that I meet with and, you know, some work for them, some don't, everybody's a little bit different. Um, and I I would say they're incredibly useful and helpful for a lot of people. The thing that I like about Budget be Financial Wellness is you get to talk to a person. I, I
2: thought th- I was gonna say, are you, meeting people in coffee shops and kitchen tables. or How does
1: that work? Yeah, I have been. I've done um, some workshops before where it's like a room full of people. Um, I have a program coming up that is going to be like a conference call set up. There's going to be six people on the call once a week. We'll get together and there'll be like a prompt at the beginning of the week and we'll all get on the call together and sort of process the prompt together. Um, There is a lot of really neat kind of magic that happens with small groups like that and um, and also one-on-one meetings which I do as well. Is it like
2: AA where you try to convince other people to remind them not to spend money?
1: Um, not really because I'm not really trying to force anything on anyone I'm sort of ideally creating a space where they can really reflect on some of their own desires and their own behaviors for sometimes the first time so it's it's less of a you know it's it's kind of inviting them into an exploration of their own situation.
2: It's kind of funny because you know I always think of, uh, for instance, therapy being
1: a one-on-one type of thing, but some people will actually react better to a group setting. It's true, yeah. I think I think some people prefer one-on-one and some people prefer groups, and I'll for both. So. And
2: now, because you're in the business, you are. I think, you know, you need to have to charge people something.
1: I do. And I do charge people something. And part of it, it's funny. I had a conversation um, a couple days ago with someone who was like, can we figure out a payment plan? I was like, sure. And, you know, I had to be honest with him. I was like, it's so one of my money things that I have to work on is that I'm so quick to just want to give everything away for free and be like, let me just help you. You know, I have that like helper desire. But you actually
2: came from kind of a nonprofit background. I did. And also, yeah. Yes.
1: And um, but that's part of my money work is like knowing my worth, asking for the money and like gladly receiving it when it's given to me. And so what I explained to him was like, I know you can manifest the cost of this if it's something that you want you will make it happen and so you know part of me not lowering my costs for someone is I believe that they can make it happen and I believe that they can arrange their budget and figure it out and it's sort of like step one in this work is like if I want something I'm gonna like money is not gonna stop me from having it I can't tell you how
2: good I feel that we've had this part of the conversation because I I, otherwise it'd be like the Mother Teresa you know financial awareness program or something (laughs) this is this is this is very very good and um Melissa, when um, when you went into the subscription business, you were early on. You were kind of one of the early companies in here. How did you figure it out? Were there were the things that surprised you?
3: Well, it's kind of interesting because my background. Um, I was a graphic design, photography major with a minor in art history. My husband, or my husband, my father refused to allow me to get into the design world or the art world. He just didn't think that there was, you know, anything good to come out of that. So he really? forced me it's into. It's not me.
2: like you joined a band. Or I anything, know, right? but you
3: know, dads, artists, they just, you know, they want to make sure that you're going to be able to take care of yourself. Um, now we got
2: Molly charged. Things are going <laughs> I know, good. really.
3: Um, and then, um, so I, my father got me into marketing with a friend of his. So I started doing marketing, and then from marketing, I moved into advertising, and so. I was doing publishing as well, advertising within publishing for magazines and stuff. And then I was on press checks and then I moved over to a computer um, software company where I learned how to do um, box design and stuff, you know, for the... So it was funny because when this idea came up, I was looking at myself and I was looking at all of the things that I had done in the past. And I was like, wait a second, this is so easy. <laughs> you know, I, I love the toys. I'm obsessed with the toys. I love buying the toys. Um, why don't we just try it out and see? And so I designed the box. I sat down. I did all the artwork because I'm a graphic designer. So it was really simple. I saved a lot of money on that. And then I was using other people's money to buy the toys. So it was like, why not?
2: Now, there's an old saying about the two things that are inevitable in life, death and taxes, but they might equally be debt and childhood. Uh, Molly and Melissa, you're both working in fields where there are huge markets and seemingly unlimited opportunity. And you both have businesses that have grown out of your own experiences and your own passions. It's been great to meet you, and I look forward to keeping up with what I'm sure will be continuing growth and success. Thank you both, Molly and Melissa, for joining me today on Out to Lunch.
1: Thanks so much for having us. Thank you.
2: My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Molly Richard. She's the founder and owner of Budget B Financial Wellness, and Melissa Bees, Chief playtime officer at Little Peanuts. You can find out more about Molly's budgets and Melissa's toys by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to the show and to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts, including Spotify. And you can find all of our podcasts at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and itsneworleans New Orleans' Facebook page and on Instagram. The photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at LaFleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch
0: Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the US providing a comprehensive range of services to a local national and international client base Jones Walker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Basics Swimming and Gym and Basics Underneath, Fine Lingerie. And by The It's New Orleans Happy Hour Podcast. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed. And at MitchellForeman.com.